Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Today it's my hope that we will see what it looks like to build the generations. What does it mean to build the generations? So Genesis 12 verses 1 to 4 says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. We see the call of Abram, Abram at that time and because he followed the call... He became Abraham. God changed his name according to his willingness to follow the call of God. And he became the father of the nation of Israel. He became the father of faith. And he was called the friend of God. But this is sort of a famous uh, scripture that we often see when we talk about Abram and taking steps of faith. But it's not actually the first that we see of Abram in the book of Genesis. And, of course, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We also see him being spoken of in Genesis 11. So come back one chapter. We're just going to look at two verses here where we begin to hear of Abram, who became Abraham. It says, One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan. But they stopped in Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Now, Abram was born in a city called Ur. It was in the Chaldeans. And the city of Ur was a place where they worshipped the moon god. And in fact, the moon god's name that they worshipped was Sin. So they worshipped the moon god Sin. So we could just say Ur was Sin City. That's an easy way to say it. And Abram's dad decides, I want to take my family away from this place. Abram's dad, Terah, wants to take his family away from a place where they are worshipping the moon god Sin. He wants to take them out of Sin City. He decides he's going to take them to Canaan. And we know that Canaan is the place of God's blessing. So he begins to take his family away from Ur, from the city that he knows is not good for them. He begins to take them to the land of Canaan, to God's blessing. But when they get to a place called Haran, they settle. He settles there. Now Ur, Ur is 1,600 kilometres from Canaan. It's a 1,600-kilometre journey. Now, along the way, they settled in Haran, which is about a th- oh, sorry, yeah, which is about a thousand kilometres. So, Dad basically takes the family sixty percent of the journey he was supposed to take them. Dad was meant to take the family to Canaan. He was meant to take the family away from this place, into the place of God's blessing. 
They went 60% of the way and then they stopped and he settled. Now the theologians have ideas about why he settled, but no one knows why. Some of the ideas they have is that he lost one of his sons. He had a son called Haran. You can read that earlier in the book of Genesis chapter 11. One of his sons died. Haran was Lot's dad. And Terah, some of the theologians say, Terah was so heartbroken, he could not muster the will to finish the journey. They got to Haran and he was like, that's it, I'm done. Other things they say were possible was that he was just getting old. He was getting old, he was getting tired, he was weary, and he was like, I can't go any further. You know, there's a thing about weariness that it can cause us to take the path of least resistance instead of pushing through into what God wants us to do. Galatians 9, 6, no, 6, 9 says, do not become weary in well-doing. There's a difference between getting tired and being able to recoup ourselves and weary. When we allow ourselves to become weary, we become fed up with what we're doing for God. We're fed up. We're over it. And Galatians 6, 9 says, don't allow yourself to get into that place. Because if you persist, if you keep going, at exactly the right moment, in due course, you will receive what is promised to you. You will reap the harvest. So let's never become people who are just so weary we can't be bothered anymore. I'm over this. I'm over what the Lord's called us to do. We can all have those moments, but when we get into those moments, let's pull ourselves out of those moments and say, I will not become weary in well-doing. I will keep going and keep doing what God has called me to do. Amen? Another idea of why the theologians say that Dad might have settled and not continued and finished the journey he started was that Haran, as a city, was a very prosperous city at the time. There was a lot of business, there was a lot of people able to make money. And the theologians say maybe Dad saw that and saw some great opportunities to make a lot of money. Kind of living the good life without realising that God was taking him to a great life, to a blessed life. Anyway, for whatever reason, Terah settled there. So Abram was born in Ur, and basically from the age of 75, his, he was with his dad, under the authority of his dad, I would say, and they all settled in Haran, 60% of the journey. Now, the Bible describes life as a race. You would have seen it whenever you're reading the Bible, many times, particularly the Apostle Paul, speaks of life as a race, that it's a race. Paul regularly used the analogy. Paul said to Timothy, near the end of Paul doing what he was meant to do, and he was mentoring a young pastor called Timothy, he said to Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And he many times talks about life as a race. But I would put it to you that life is not just a race, life is a relay race. Because we build for generations. Life is, as Roger said this morning, it is never just about you. It's never just about me. It's never just about my race. My race is what I take responsibility for, but it is never just about me. Life is not just a race. Life is a relay race. It is a relay race. What happens in our lives is what? Each generation takes the baton from the previous uh, generation, and when their time comes, they pass it to the next generation. Life is a relay race. God is called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's never, well, 
probably has been, but we don't refer to him as God of Abraham. We don't refer to him as the God of Isaac. We don't refer to him as the God of Jacob. We refer to him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because God moves and works through generations. And we receive the baton, and we pass on the baton. It's never just about us. Just have a look on the screen. We're going to have a quick clip. This is not from the Olympics. This is from the World it's Championships. Really well the Italians, maybe slightly up on the Brazilians there in the green. The Italians moving up on the Brazilians, although a good change from the Brazilians. Brazil leading at the moment from Italy and South Africa. South Africa still in this one. It's going to be really tight. Brazil will have a meter on South Africa. Italy messed up that final change over their way back now. It's Brazil under pressure from South Africa, but they're going to run out of track. <laughs> well, well done to the South Africans. Talk about running through the tape. Make every centimeter count. Simbini run it. Make every centimeter count. Amen. So I was looking at that and I was thinking about how life is a relay race and I thought there's some things that we can all learn, we can all try and take something to understand what we can do in the position that God has put us, in the place that God has put us, in the timing, in the generation, in the place that we are. So it was just a few thoughts on that. Firstly, you have the responsibility to run your part of the race in the position that God has placed you. I have the responsibility to run my part of the race in the position where God has placed me. You don't have responsibility for the person before you. They are not your responsibility. Do not take on the issues of the previous generation and carry them on your back. Hebrews 12 says that we are to get rid of everything that hinders us. And for a lot of people, run, Hebrews 12 says, run the race before you. Take off everything that hinders. Take off everything that entangles you. And for some people, that is the stuff of previous generations that is entangling them. The stuff of previous generations hinders some people. That is not your responsibility. That is the responsibility of the person before you. Do not take on responsibility for their part of the race. Don't take responsibility for the person after you. We have to give them a good start, but that is their race to run. What I'm saying is we cannot ask the, genera the next generation to fulfill what we were called to fulfill. If we're put in, positioned in a certain place and time and God puts a call on us individually and corporately to fulfill certain things, we can't say to the next generation, you do it, I'm weary. I'm weary, I need to settle now. This is your job. What we need to say is, I will take responsibility for this and when the time is to give you the baton, you are going to have to take responsibility for that. But for what we've been called to do, we need to do that. You are also not responsible for the person in the next lane. We need to stop comparing. Because you know what happens? We look across, we compare, and what we mostly see is a false picture. So often what we're looking at, and social media is such a terrible thing for this, we compare and we're getting a false picture. Remember this, everyone smiles for photographs. Okay? Stop comparing with other people. We have to just run our own race. But what if the person next to me is running faster? The more you look at the person next to you, the slower you will become. 
Whenever you're glancing around, you are slowing yourself down. Just run your own race. Learn from the people before you. Advance the people after you. Encourage the people around you, but run your race that God has set for you. Amen? What if I wasn't given a good start? What if I wasn't given a good start? Firstly, you're probably in a very big club there. All right? Reality. But if you weren't given a good start, 2 Corinthians tells us, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Okay? The old is gone. You didn't get a good start, the old is gone. And the new has come. The new has come. In Christ, every generation gets a chance to change the future. Every generation gets a chance to make a difference, irregardless of what has happened in the past or previous generations. You may not have a godly heritage behind you, but you can set up a godly, a godly heritage for generations to come. You can be the beginning of a godly heritage. You may not have that in your past, but it can become the future. Abram's dad went 60% of the way. Abram took care of the rest of the 40%. 60, 40, that's 100, isn't it? I wasn't good at maths. Abraham's dad did 60. Abram took care of the rest of the race. And he did everything that God called him to do. Terah didn't give him a good start, but from Abraham came a long heritage of faith. And through him, God blessed the world. Another thing we can learn from this. Our job is to make the race as strong as possible for the next generation. Our job is to make things as strong as possible for the next generation. It's not just about us. We are one person in the whole race of a lot of people. You may have noticed as we were watching that clip, or if maybe you've watched the Olympics, whatever, but you may have noticed that when there's a relay race going on and they're running, as a runner is coming towards the next person they are going to hand their baton to, their arm is outstretched. They are stretching that arm out so that that person can grab the baton easily and quickly and they can move really, really well. The whole idea is I'm making it as good as I can possibly for you to get a great start. You may all also have noticed when the runners are running, when they first pick up the baton, they pick it up in the top because it's being stretched out to them. They grab the top of it. By the time they finish their portion of the race, they have used their hands to move their hand to the bottom. So when they hand it to the next person, the top is free. So again, they're making it as easy as possible for that person to grab the baton and go on. Another thing you may notice, as one runner is coming towards another, this guy already starts running before he gets the baton. Have you noticed that? There is a certain allowable distance where the next runner can begin to move before the baton is handed to him. And of course, the whole idea of that is that he's not starting from a dead standstill, so that he's got some movement, he's got some momentum, he's got some pace, so that when the baton comes into his hand, he's good to go. I'm just using the pronoun here because it was a men's race we were looking at. That's the only reason. The Bible says in um, Psalm 145, one generation shall commend your works to another. Each generation should be setting the next generation up so that they can start at pace. Each generation should be setting the next generation so they can go really well when it's their turn. 
When Jim and I planted this church 28 years ago, well, not Jim and I. It's the Lord's planting. It's the Lord's It's his church. It's not our church. Let's say when the church was planted back in that day, it was really, really important to us and has always been so important to us through the years, especially when we were in the school and all that, that we establish a building in the area. We knew that God had said, establish a church here. So it was very important to us that we would establish a building, if we could, uh, with God's grace and God's empowerment, establish a building. And that was so that the next generations, they don't have to do it. It's done. They can start at a certain pace. Also, we're working as hard as we can, as a church corporately, working as hard as we can and the debt, so that when future generations are here, declaring the goodness of God into this community, they don't have that burden. See, every generation should take responsibility for the next generation to start on their shoulders, not to start in the same spot. We should do everything we can to promote the ability of the next generation to go further. Another thing that um, we can learn from this is keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, again, an analogy of a race. To the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily ties us up, that so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy set before him, he scorned the cross, oh sorry, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, or in other words, disregarding the shame of the cross, he kept his eye on the prize. And now he is seated in the place of honour besides God on his throne. You will notice one more thing from a relay race the one that we watched or one that you may see. When a runner is waiting for the previous runner to come to them and give them the baton, their eyes are on that runner. They are keeping their eyes. But once the baton is released, that person goes and he never, ever looks back. You never look back. They never look back and go, why didn't you do better? They never look back and go, you should have given me a better start. They never look back and go, I saw you tripping up. You've messed it up for me. We never, ever look back. They go and their eyes are forward because they know they have responsibility for this part of the race. I've said this before. This is a very strong thing with me. We each take responsibility for our generation. If you come from a line of people with certain issues that you're looking and going, this is something in my family, we have responsibility for now. We can cut these things. We can break these things. You can break off the things that plague your family in the name of Jesus because you are a new creation in Jesus. You use the powerful name of Jesus and you break this stuff that is over families and declare God's goodness for the future. Amen? This is what we do. Take responsibility for my generation now. Amen? 
the call to Abraham first came, actually, sorry, the call to Abraham actually came before what we saw in Genesis 12. Often when we read Genesis 12, we go, oh, that's where God first called Abraham because then God calls him again in Genesis 15. And we go, oh, yeah, here's the call. But in Acts chapter 7, this is something that um, was written in Acts chapter 7, and it's at the stoning of Stephen. When they go to stone Stephen, they're saying some stuff to him before they're going to kill him. And Stephen is speaking to them. But in reality, when you read it, Stephen basically preaches to the religious leaders. He basically preaches over history and the goodness of God and the sending of Christ, the gospel. He preaches the gospel to the religious leaders. And in my Bible, it says Stephen's defense. He's not really defending himself. They're telling him, we're going to kill you. And he's like, well, let me tell you about Jesus before you do, basically, is his mentality. And he begins to preach to the religious leaders. And this is what it says in Acts 7, 2-4. As they're saying the stuff to him, this was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haram. Now, Ur of the Chaldeans is in Mesopotamia. So even before the family set out from Ur, God had already spoken to Abram and called him. Abram had a call on his life while he was still traveling with his father, while he was under his father's authority, he already had the calling upon his life. Appeared to, him in, appeared to Abraham Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. Now he settled there with his dad. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives, come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. So God then called him forward and continued him into the land of Canaan, into the place that God had already called him, always called him to the blessing. See, there was always a call on Abram, but Abram waited till it was his turn to make the race. He was traveling with his father, he was under his father's authority, and his father settled the family in a certain place. But once dad died, Abram began to move by faith and he grabbed everyone, including Lot, the, the son of the brother who had died, and he said, we're going to a better place. Okay? The father had passed away. Abram knew this is my part of the race. He was watching his dad. His dad's doing his part of the race. The baton got passed and Abram's like, we're going. We're going. So Genesis 12 records, get up from here, leave your people, leave your native country, leave Sin City, basically, and go to the land that I told you to go to. And that's when Abram took them. And that's why he is the father of faith, the father of the nation of Israel, and he's called a friend of God. And multiple generations were blessed through him, just as God had promised. You are uniquely, uniquely designed to fulfill the call that God has for you. You are in the time and the place that he has chosen for you. This is your generation. This is our generation, the place that God has put us. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So even as the previous people are running their race, God had already prepared our time, our generation, his call, his purpose, his plan for, for this generation, for us. And you know what? 
there's a generation coming after that. And guess what? God's already called their destiny. God's already called it. But what he's saying to us in ours, your responsibility is to do what I've called you to do. This is our responsibility as parents, but also as people of God. We're not all parents, but it's amazing the influence you can have. If you think about it, Haran died and Lot could have done anything. Lot could have been left anywhere. But Abram took Lot, who wasn't his own son, and said, you're coming with me to the place of blessing. Lot made his own dumb choices, but anyway, sometimes they do, man. But Abram said, Lot, you're coming with me to a place of blessing. See, if you walk with God, if you live a life of faith, you have no idea who you could influence and bless, who you could take to a place of blessing, who you could bring to Jesus because you're following God. Stay in your lane. Keep your eyes on the prize. So we're coming to a close, and as we do, I'd just like to look at one perfect picture of generations building generations. In the book of Timothy... Paul, again, as I said, he's mentoring Timothy. I don't know if we've got the scripture. We have. Um, I couldn't remember if I put it in. And Paul says to Timothy, you know what you remind me of? I saw the faith in your grandmother. And then I saw it in your mum. Ladies, this is so inspiring to me. Next week we're going to fuss over the guys, so just for a moment I'm going to say to the women, this is so inspiring to me. When I'm gone, if the only thing they say is, I saw the faith in her that I can now see in another generation, man, thank you, Jesus. I'll be a happy girl. Well, of course, I'll be, by then I'll be in heaven because I'll be dead. But Paul says, I saw the faith in your grandmother. Then I saw the faith in your mum. And now I can see it. It's in you. The perfect passing in the generations. There's only one verse in the whole Bible about those two women, Lois and Eunice, but it tells us everything we need to know. Lois had a faith that was visible, that was impacting, and it made the difference in the life of Eunice. And then Eunice had a faith that was visible, it was impacting, and it made a difference in the life of Timothy. And now they look at Timothy, the pastor in the early church, and Paul says, I can see it in you. Saw it in granny, saw it in mum, I see it in you. Building for generations. We are building for the generations. Amen? See, we often think we can't do much. What can I do? There's one thing we can all do. We can make sure the next generation starts at pace. They start with momentum. They start well. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you came. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus. Hallelujah. Our God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of Lois and Eunice and Timothy. We don't say that. I'm going to start saying that. Get the girls in. He is the God of Lois, Eunice, and Timothy. He is the God of the generations. I'm going to pray for us all today. But I want to say to you, maybe you didn't have a good start. You can start the new good start. You can be the good start for the next person and the next person. If you live your life for Jesus and live a life of faith, you could be setting up a thousand good starts. 
It's never about us, as Roger said. It's never about us. We're, just a, we're part of it, but we take responsibility for the ones that are coming. Amen? You may find yourself comparing with others. Oh, wow, they're running faster than me. They're doing so much better than me. Don't compare. You're probably looking at a false picture. You're probably looking at a false picture. And remember, you're just running your own race. You're running your own race. Remember Steve Bradbury? So it's all good. Amen? And if you're holding yourself back because of hurts, because of stuff from the past, now's the day to let that go and to run your race with momentum and pace with nothing holding you back. Amen? So if that's you, I invite you, if you want to, just raise your hand to the Lord. If you're watching at home, just raise your hand to Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer of faith together. Amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, I lift these people up to you in the name of Jesus, myself included. And Lord, I declare we want to run our race well. Lord, we want no entanglements. Lord, we want no hindrances. Lord, we want nothing holding us back. Lord, if it's the past generation stuff or our own past stuff, if it's stuff that's happened to us, if it's stuff we've done, whatever it is, Lord, we declare we are moving from Sin City and we are not settling in Haran. We are going to the place of your blessing because you have called us to your promise. You have called us to your blessing. You have called us to go 100% of the journey. So, Lord, some of us have stopped at 20. Some of us have stopped at 40. Some of us have stopped at 60, 80, whatever. We declare today we're going to begin to take steps again. We're not going to settle. We're not going to stop. Because, Lord, we know you have called us to build the generations, not just us, it's not about us, Lord. We want to fulfill your purpose. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the God of Lois and Eunice and Timothy. So, Lord, we want to put our name in there and declare that you are our God. You are the God of Lena and generations from her. You are the God of Shane and generations, Alex, generations, Jim, generations, Paul, the generations, Marcelo, Alyssa, Brad, everyone, I'm just naming the names in the front, but Lord, I declare over every person, you are the God of them and the generations that come after because you are a God of generations. And Lord, for those who have had not a good start, we break that now in the name of Jesus and we declare your power, your blessing, your, your mercy and goodness, the gospel, the power of the blood of Jesus to take hold of future generations because we belong to you. Because we belong to you. So shall those that come after us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.